This episode of Diffusion Science Radio is supported by you, the listener. When you visit audibletrial.com science to try Audible free for 30 days. Go to www.audibletrial.com science to receive your free audiobook today. Or make a donation directly on www.diffusionradio.com. The International Science Radio Show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exotic. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. This week, we have a special Neural Networks edition. But first up, here's the news. Handwriting is better for remembering. Researchers at Princeton University have found that lectures are better remembered when handwritten than when typed. Students who type during a lecture can't help but transcribe the lecture word for word. The words go straight from the lecturer's mouth to the screen, hardly making an impression in between. But when students handwrite their notes, they can't write anywhere near as fast as they can type. This means they have to think about how to summarise what the lecturer is saying and decide which words to write. This extra thinking means that they end up understanding and remembering the lecture content significantly better. Even when students have this fact explained to them, the typers always did worse on exams than the handwriters. Handwriting your notes is just better, assuming you can read your own writing. For the first experiment, students watched a video of a lecture and then either took notes by hand or by typing on a laptop. Next, the students were given some difficult mental tasks to perform that had nothing to do with the content of the lecture. Finally, they were given an exam about the content of the talk. The writers did much better on the exam than the typers. For the second experiment, some of the students were given this warning before being shown the video. People who take class notes on laptops when they expect to be tested on the material later tend to transcribe what they're hearing without thinking about it much. Please try not to do this as you take notes today. Take notes in your own words, and don't just write down word for word what the speaker is saying. Once again, the students taking notes by hand did enormously better than students typing onto laptops. When they looked at the typed notes, they found that students had ignored the warning and transcribed the lecture word for word. For the final experiment, after watching the video of a lecture, students had to wait a week before the exam. Some of them were allowed to study their notes 10 minutes before taking the exam. Handwriting students did better than typers, and writers who had studied their notes 10 minutes before did better than anyone. Strangely, typers who are allowed to study their notes 10 minutes before the exam actually performed worse than the typers who didn't study. Typing leads to exact word-for-word copies of lectures that make it harder for students to learn and study, and warning students of the need for summaries doesn't help. The act of thinking about what you have to write and how you can summarise what the lecturer said is enough to both help you learn and remember the content, 
and to create good notes that help refresh your memory before the exam. Perhaps handwriting recognition on a tablet would let you get the benefits of making a summary and also having a searchable electronic document. The paper was published in the journal Psychological Science and was titled The Pen is Mightier Than the Keyboard Advantages of Longhand Over Laptop Note-Taking by Pam Mueller and Daniel Oppenheimer. You're listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. National Science Week is coming to Australia for the week of the 16th to the 24th of August. One of the ways you can participate is by knitting brain cells. Pat Pillai is a community artist with a background in science and an interest in psychology and art therapy. She's working on the Neural Network Project, getting people around Australia to knit neurons to promote an understanding of brain health. You can hear the frother and boiler of a tea shop and people moving around in the background. The project is called Neural Networks, and what we're doing is we're asking people to knit brain cells. We're knitting brain cells for brain health. Actually, we're not just knitting them, we're crafting them, crocheting, whatever sort of textile technique that you can use, but we have got scientifically informed patterns for knitting, crocheting and wrapping, which you can download from the National Science Week website at www.scienceweek.net.au and you just find the picture of the neural networks and you can, you can find the patterns and podcasts about brain health. Also a link to our community Facebook page where there's all sorts of pictures of the things we've been doing. Where did this idea come from? So the idea sort of was born out of, I guess, a project that my friend Rita Pierce and I were involved in last year with an artist called Hiromi Tango, and we were exploring the therapeutic potential of art engagement. And in that, we made satellite brain structures around things that we were interested in. So I, I was looking at sort of resilience and neuroplasticity, and Rita was looking at dementia. She's an aged care nurse, so... When we did this, uh, we found that it was absolutely fantastic uh, communication tool for getting across you know, sort of difficult messages sometimes and actually getting people really excited and involved about science and, and neuroscience and, and you know, healthy brain messages. So we wanted to go on from there and we realised that we actually needed some scientific help. So even though we're both kind of in the science field, we... You know, we, we don't know anything about neuroscience. So we went to the Ultimo Science Festival last year and I pitched an idea. And actually at the end of the night, we got the prize for the, the best art science collaboration idea. And then with the help of Inspiring Australia, it's been worked up into this Neural Networks project. So, and it's, it's actually just like Inspiring Australia and the two artists and the talents of many, many people and scientists and artists alike and the community. How did you come up with the idea of knitting as the artistic approach you wanted to take? Well, we, we were using textiles. So Rita, she exclusively uses basically crocheting uh, for hers. I use, I, I'll use anything I can get my hands on. I'm more of a community artist than just a textile artist, but I'm, hev- yeah, like I'm, I'm heavily 
weighted toward textiles. The other artist that we were working with, Hiromi Tango, was using textiles and so I guess we started off there. The knitting, I, I can't quite remember why, perhaps it was a glass of wine, I don't know. <laughs> But it was the actual first pitch was knitting and weaving brain cells. So all I knew was I wanted to make a big woolly walking brain. Once I got some neuroscience collaborators on board, they told me that would be a little bit difficult because the brain is absolutely huge. There are billions of cells in the brain. So we decided to just pick one bit of it, but we're still going to have a big woolly walking brain structure when we have the exhibition at Hazelhurst in Science Week in August. And we're just concentrating on the cerebral cortex and it's a really good place to concentrate on because when scientists work with the cerebral cortex cells, the neurons in the cerebral cortex, they stain them and they, um, or label them, and they end up every colour of the rainbow. It looks, separates out into layers like a rainbow, which is what we want to do. So we want lots and lots of people to knit these neurons. So knitting is something that most people, well, they, they think they can do it, but then when it comes down to it, they can't always. So we. We made sure that we had other sorts of things. Well, knitting is a, you know, like it rolls off the tongue nicely, knitting neurons, but we're actually, um, we've got easy patterns for crafting because we've worked with patients with Alzheimer's, dementia, and young children, we wanted them to be able to be involved as well. We want it to be accessible to lots of people. So we've got very easy no-knit patterns. And so, yeah, we're not just knitting, but yeah, knitting, knitting sounded less scary than weaving. <laughs> but the idea is, in the end, we'll weave all these neurons together. And, I mean, weaving in a general sense to make the, the, the big structure. And we hope that after the exhibition during National Science Week, that the, um, this will travel all around Australia. We've already got people all around Australia knitting and crafting neurons for us. So we're, we're hoping that the brain structure will also travel around Australia and will be a platform then for people to talk about brain health. So we've got partners in Alzheimer's Australia, the Brain and Mind Institute at Sydney University, the brain mapping at um, University of New South Wales. We've got lots of people interested in it, so it can be a platform for all sorts of bits of brain health. Oh, and we've got um, Dr Sarah Mackay, she has a, a sort of like a healthy brain blog and she talks about brain health. Um, we want to get lots of other people coming in and talking about healthy brain. So knitting, knitting is good to talk about healthy brain because to have a healthy brain you need to exercise all parts of it so if you knit you're using the mathematical side and you're using the creative side and you're doing something physical with your hands and if you do it in a group I mean sometimes people just knit at home by themselves but if you do it in a group or if you do it at home and then post it on Facebook and talk to other people about what you've just done which is what people are doing um, it becomes a social thing and so social connectedness is also something that's very important in brain health so I guess the, sort of we're knitting, we're knitting a neural network in that we're knitting the communities, the people in the community together, and we're knitting the neuroscientists together, and we're weaving them into a nice, comfortable community where they can all talk to each other. That's quite remarkable. So when you're knitting, you're turning code on a page through dexterous movements with your hand that you've learned to automate in to some degree because a lot of people don't have to focus very much when they're knitting into a 3D object. Yes that's right and um, what you've just said is that you know if you are a really experienced knitter your brain cells aren't getting as big a workout but if you're doing something new so even though you're good at knitting you have to think about 
a new pattern because you're making a neuron, which is not something most people have done before. So that's actually extra exercise for the brain. So that's, yeah, that, that's good for your brain. You're doing something new. And you're using all these different parts of your brain when you socialise while you're doing this sort of activity. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah, you've, you're sort of, you've, well, you're just having a general social interaction, sharing patterns and uh, yarn. We're always swapping yarn and, um, and getting you know, people donating things to us. Uh, somebody comes along, wants to learn to knit. This morning I was at a workshop and there was a, a, a little girl there teaching somebody a bit older than me to finger knit. And at the same time, the lady was teaching her to knit with knitting needles. So it was, it was quite lovely, actually. That, so that community interaction, is, it's, that's a very healthy thing to see happening. So, yeah, so we want to get, that's where we want to get lots of people involved. And, you know, really, um, it seems to be something that's taken off and people are um, enjoying it. But uh, if people are out there knitting neurons for us, we want them to get them to Hazelhurst Regional Gallery in the Sutherland Shire that's at 782 the Kingsway Gaimere and um, by the 21st of July if possible because we're going to have a lot of work to do to weave this structure out of all the, the neurons that everybody's knitting so um, yeah that's that's sort of the, well we'd say the cut-off date though there's a few stragglers we'll guess we won't say no. <laughs> And now, the part of the brain, performed by <laughs> the brain. Yes. Neocortex frontal lobe. Brainstem! Brainstem! Hippocampus neural node, right hemisphere. Pons and cortex visual. Brainstem! Brainstem! Sylvian fissure pineal, left hemisphere. Cerebellum left, cerebellum right. Synapse, hypothalamus, striatum dendrite. Axon fibers matter grey. That was Pinky and the Brain with the parts of the brain. What's the structure of these neurons that all of your, your people are creating? What do they look like? Okay, so because we're on radio, you can't see them, but... Um, we start off, actually the, the, the no-knit pattern is actually designed not just so that people with Alzheimer's who are, or who may have lost their manual dexterity can use them, but also for high school and primary school children to learn that every cell, uh, every neuron has a nucleus in the centre, so we get them to make a, a little round ball in the centre and then build a, a cell body around it. And the cell body can be a couple of shapes, one's a pyramid shape and the other one's a a stellate neuron, so it's almost a star shape, but it's a squashed flat disc shape. And then they have dendrites, lots of dendrites usually, so they're lots of branches which taper toward the end and have more little branches coming off them. And they have an axon at the other end. So the axon, um, there's usually only one axon, but it might have lots of branches, especially the further away it gets from the body. And the end of the axon ends in terminal buttons or knobs. I think you're supposed to say it in French, but I'm not going to try my French on the radio. So, yeah, so that's kind of what they look like. And well, you're, you, you have to imagine them in bright colours too. So if you're seeing them in real life, they're actually quite transparent. Um, but once they're, once they're labelled to be studied, they are bright colours. So the ones we're making, um, I've got bright yellow here, bright pink, lime green, bright orange, and then I've got a dark purple. So we're doing... Um, Usually when you look down a microscope, you see a dark field and then you see the bright uh, colours. So we're doing one lot in dark colours and one lot in bright colours. So we've 
try to get some idea of that magic moment when you first look down a microscope. So one of the things, apart from uh, brain health that we're doing here is trying to whet people's appetite for science because I love science. I, I just, and actually the project I was involved in last year, I still work in science, but it sort of reignited my love for the basic, the basics of science, you know, looking down the microscope, seeing all those pretty shapes and exciting things. So that, yeah, so um, these are pretty exciting looking neurons, you'd have to agree, wouldn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. And how are they going to fit together for a cerebral cortex? I, now, I need one of my neuroscientist collaborators here to, to check me on this, but the cerebral cortex actually divides into six layers. So in some of the layers is mostly stellate cells or interneurons, and then the, there's pyramid neurons in, in different layers, or sometimes there, there might be a few in the same layer. So going to, we, want to put, we want to try to do that, to have the coloured layers, so we'll have the sort of yellows and oranges in one layer with the interneurons in between. Uh, granule cells, that's what they are, um, and, um, and, a, and a pink layer, and um, sort of, yeah, pinks and purples probably together, and the teals and bright blues in another layer, so then dark greens and dark purples and um, dark blues will all be sort of the granule cell layers, so we're, yeah, we're hoping it will end up looking quite like a rainbow on the inside of our walk-in walk -in brain structure, and uh, we will try to have the neurons interacting the way they do in real life, at least in some parts of it, where the the axon of one neuron will um, touch um, the, the synapses um, with the the dendrite of another one. So we're going to try to get as much reality into it as we can. But I mean, it's scientifically informed. We can't possibly make a, a perfect brain out of uh, out of yarn. I don't think. <laughs> but if you could. What does the cerebral cortex do? Well, it's, it's a pretty important part of the brain. It um, plays a key role in uh, memory, it, your thoughts, language, consciousness. Just about everything you do actually gets tracked through the cerebral cortex. So how many people do you think you've got involved so far? Wow, a lot, actually. We have a Facebook community and I think we've, well, we've got maybe getting close to 200, I don't know, it's well over 100 members of just of the Facebook community. And the, the, actually the Facebook community is neural networks, but you can get there through the National Science Week website that I mentioned earlier. So we've had two, uh, two, or, three, two or three schools involved. So there's about 200 kids in, in one high school. Um, there's about another 120 in a primary school. We've had knit-ins at um, Sydney University where we had probably a hundred or more people. We had we had a knit in, in um, Canberra with Alzheimer's Australia and they said there was over 200 people came through there. We've been to Hazelhurst Regional Gallery, well, more than twice, but t twice for their open days. And they get about 400 people through. And we reckon about 200 must have come through our little uh, room making neurons. Um, a lot of lot of children in that. But then across Australia, we have we seem to have uh, we have really connected with the science community. So a lot of the people, I think, in the Facebook community are, are actually from the scientific community. And then we've also got a lot of people from the textile art community. So um, I've, I'm in a, or have been in quite a few different textile art groups in my time, and still involved with some. So I've got a, like a big network of friends who are really good networkers, and they keep putting the word out there. So through them, we must have, you know, like we've probably got yeah, another couple of hundred people that we've 
I don't know whether they're all making neurons, but they certainly know about it. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're hoping to get, well, we want to get, we want, we'd love to get a couple of thousand neurons, but we want at least a thousand. So I think, I, I think we'll get close to that at least um, already, but depends, we just don't quite know what's coming in. We've had people, like there's other groups like the CWA out in the, in the country and some of the country areas are doing what, there's after school care, there's after school care groups and holiday, school holiday care groups doing it as a sort of craft work. And then, you know, just the various people that you meet around the place. So there's, you know, there's really people all over the place making neurons. It's really nice. And is it hard for a novice knitter to learn how to make a neuron? If you're a real novice knitter, what I discovered that, uh, I thought, we, you know, we'd, we'd have lots of people being able to knit, but there's quite a lot of people who find the increasing and decreasing of knitting a bit of a challenge, especially if you're trying to do it in a workshop where you've got limited time. So we've um, figured out a way of doing it with just knitting a square. So if you've never knitted before and you want to learn to knit, we have actually, we, we had at the Hazelhurst Open Day in May, we had a bit of a knit off between two neuroscientists. Uh, no, actually one of them was a physicist, sorry, from Ansto. Ansto are also partners with us. And we had a, a neuroscientist who's part of the group and neither of them had knitted before. So. We had a lovely lady from the community who's joined us and she loves teaching people to knit. So she managed to teach both of them enough knitting to knit a little square. So it only needs a square about as big as a coaster. And you can, and um, like the granny squares that you might have seen people crochet, we can also make them out of granny squares. We've figured out a way of doing that because the, um, the nursing homes, that's another place that we've made quite a few. And um, we went back to the, um, to the nursing home for Alzheimer's patients where we started off last year and we took it to them and they wanted to use granny squares because they already had some. So we used the granny squares for the, the cell body and um, then we just, you need to make the dendrites and axons out of, you can make it out of crocheting or knitting, which is very simple because that's just, you know, a few stitches um, and you make it, just keep on doing it. So somebody who's learning can do lots and lots of the same thing. If you've ever seen kids French knitting, we had these children French knitting today and it was amazing how, there was members of the public there, there for some other reason. This was at Hazelhurst, I think they had some sort of a, a tour. And the older women were walking past and saying, oh, we used to do that when we were kids and we used to bang nails into cotton reels and um, they, yeah, they were really loving that, that memory of, of doing it. So, um, but the children now do it with cardboard and some of them just do it on their hands. They were showing us how they just do it on their hands. It's quite amazing. So there's really some really easy techniques that you can do, but if you really want to learn to knit, yeah, you could actually do one. Um, you could do it. I could teach you now. I've got some needles in my bag. And is there a connection to the uh, knitted coral that was on display, I think, last year? See, that was a few years ago. Um, few, yeah, I think it was possibly 2008 or nine or 10. I'm not sure what year it was. But yeah, there, there is a connection in that and all these big knitting projects. So my friend Rita Pierce, the other artists involved, and myself were both participants in the Hyperbolic Crocheted Reef Project. I think the Sydney, and well, we were involved in the Sydney version, but there's been going around the world for quite some time. And, and there's the other um, project that we've, we all know about is the ABC knitting that was started some years ago that, you know, lots of people have been involved in knitting that. We have gone to groups, some, some of the groups where they knit squares and you know, they're, they're still doing knitting squares for Wrapped With Love 
and they're not they're not knitting coral, I don't think. <laughs> and actually, they taught us a lot about knitting and organising our cottons when we we sort of wander around the place. So, so there is a connection. There's there's a connection with those things. There's also there's also a group in England, Bristol University, who did a knit a neuron project. Which once after we were at the Ultimo Science Festival and we got our winning pitch started doing some research we found out about the the Bristol project called a knit a neuron and they I contacted them and they sort of agreed to um, they were really actually very happy for us to to sort of follow some of their patterns to start off with to develop our own and yeah so they're really helpful and they, they want to know how we went when we finish <laughs> if we ever finish it seems like we're going to be knitting neurons forever <laughs> and what was the role of inspiring Australia first big role was I think they picked the, they picked the prize so they were there they must they must have been there supporting the Ultimo Science Festival and their role actually is to inspire Australians about science and um, they they organise National Science Week so they back projects like this because it gets science out there so once we like this this was just one little woolly idea really from a couple of you know, community artists so without the help of inspiring Australia um, I don't think that we would have got anywhere near what we've got today. They're fantastic in um, organising some funding for us, a little bit of funding, and also a lot of the help and networking, uh, getting all sorts of people on board. So yeah, they've really been instrumental in in making this all happen. So without Inspiring Australia, I, I don't think it would have got off the ground. So it's been really fantastic working with them and. Um, yeah, we hope we're inspiring people as much as they're inspiring people. Well, Pat Pillai, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was community artist Pat Pillai of the Neural Knitwork Project, knitting the community together for better brain health. Swap yarn while you swap yarns. You can join in and start knitting by going to www.scienceweek.net.au and click on Neural Knitworks. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, standing ovations, gasps of amazement, and helpful suggestions to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook, and rate us on iTunes. Checking production this week was Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the Community Radio Network, and 2HHH in Hornsby, Karingai. Diffusion is syndicated on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for photos of knitted neurons and more information about this week's show. You can now hear Diffusion on Stitcher, radio on demand and on the go. Download the free app from stitcher.net and review Diffusion. Ask your local radio station to broadcast Diffusion. You support Diffusion by downloading a free book from Audible. Audible will sponsor Diffusion for everyone who signs up to the free 30-day trial and downloads the free book of their choice from audibletrial.com science. Or look for the donate button on www.diffusionradio.com to contribute to the costs of producing the podcast. I'm Ian Wolfe. 
Join us inside your audio device of choice for more Science Wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.